guys, and welcome to episode 173 of SwiftCast. This is Steph, Adam, Nate, and Ashley. What's up, guys? So we have an exciting episode for you today, and a lot of it has to do with the exciting show that's going to be happening in less than two weeks. It's crazy. The Circuit of the Americas announced the show way back at the beginning of the year, and we're so close to it now. On October 22nd, Taylor will be performing at the Circuit of the Americas Formula One, and uh, something exciting happened over the weekend. Paul Sedotti actually Instagrammed a photo with the caption, back in the saddle again, and he hashtagged Formula One, and the photo shows a guitar rack of all these guitars. So I think it's safe to interpret that as meaning he's rehearsing, right? Yeah, I think so too. This is probably the most exciting thing on social media involving Taylor in <laughs> probably like the past two months, in my opinion. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Taylor's been really absent this past week. So I think it's safe to guess that she's been in Nashville rehearsing. And for me, Paul's Instagram confirms that. Yeah, I think you can definitely put two and two together. I mean, I believe the last time that she was seen in public or with fan photos or paparazzi or whatever was in Nashville when she took photos with the fans on a hike, right? Yes, right. So she might be in some type of studio or, you know, big warehouse that they use for rehearsals uh, working with the band. In my experience, whenever Taylor goes on such a hiatus like this, just absent from anything, social media, internet, anything, you know something awesome is about to happen. Just saying. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Because really, any other time she's anywhere, people always see her. Even if we just have a photo from a camera phone or some low-quality video, we usually have an idea of what she's doing and where she is. And I wanted to go back to when you said that it was so long ago that this concert was announced and now it's so close. Was this concert announced back in like February or March or do you remember when it was? I think it was March, right? I think it was March and I think we got our tickets in March, right? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I know I did. Boom, bought one up. At that point, we were all so surprised. We were like, what is this concert that's going to be in October, so many months away, and will there be any other shows? And then they released press releases that said this is her only concert of 2016, which turns out to be true. It's just crazy that it's all so close now. Yeah, it's funny. Even when Taylor announces a tour and you buy the tickets so far in advance and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting, and then the day finally comes and it just goes so quickly that... It's easy to get post-concert depression, but I'm trying not to think about that right now. I'm just excited for the actual event to come up and get to see Taylor for the one performance she's having this year. Right. It's going to be massive, though, too, on top of that. That's why I'm excited. It's like 10,000 people in just like the front pit. The lawn itself is going to be packed. I mean, it's going to be this humongous concert. Right. I think it should be over 100,000 people. Which, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, just off you know the top of my head, I know it's already bigger than Cowboy Stadium, but might be the biggest concert she's ever played. I'm not too sure. Yeah, that's a really good point, because I was just thinking Sydney was 76,000. Which, yeah, exactly. That was, I think, her biggest concert to date, right? I feel like it. I, 
I don't know if Wembley holds more than that. Do you know? Um, Wembley Stadium's capacity is 90,000. Oh, okay. Oof. And she's played Wembley, but not as just the only artist there. She played it during a, a festival kind of event. But she has played at Wembley. So maybe to date, that would be her biggest. So this could easily be her biggest, yeah. Yeah, for Wembley, this is an interesting side note tidbit. The record attendance at Wembley is 90,000, and it has been done three times by Muse, Eminem, and Green Day. Oh, I was going to put Ed on there, no? No, it's not listed. (laughs) He's got to be up there. Yeah, didn't he play multiple nights at Wembley when he did his live thing? His live CD. He did. Maybe for some reason they weren't completely sold out. I'm not sure. Huh. But I going back to Circuit of the Americas and the attendance, I am really interested to see the, the logistics of it because obviously this is a huge racetrack and a lot of the fans are going to be there for the race. And I'm sure a lot of them will also go to the concert afterwards. But the capacity of the whole area is 120,000. So I'm wondering if all of those people will be counted in the concert attendance or how many people will actually attend the concert. It's just going to be interesting to see how it all works out. I think it's safe to say that for her only concert of the year, it being one of the biggest shows she's ever played, you know, it just kind of puts a nice bow on it. Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting to have such a massive crowd. I hope she has wristbands for every single person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually really excited about the idea of there being no openers because I love that Taylor has introduced me to such great music through the artists she selects for her openers. Oh, sure. And it's great, but it's kind of nice to have a show where we just have Taylor. And sometimes you get a little impatient while you're waiting and waiting and you just want Taylor to be on stage. So this will be a different kind of dynamic. Should be fun. But we're actually going to be getting a lot more into the upcoming show. And we're going to talk about it in conjunction with possibilities for future music. So stay tuned for the main discussion. We'll be talking about that. And also, just so everybody knows, we've been holding a contest to give away books for the Simon & Schuster Taylor Swift book that is being released and we have more winners and we're going to announce them next week so be sure to tune in for episode 174 and we'll have a slew of winners at that point. For now we're going to go back in time and review some of Taylor's older tweets from around this time in previous years. Our first tweet is from October 5th of 2012. Taylor tweeted, My glitter nail polish says, Party, but my sweatpants slash bun on top of my head ensemble say, Room service and journaling my feelings. Wow, that's so funny. This tweet feels like it was just yesterday. But it's such a great tweet. It really is. Because I'm sure most people... I know Maybe Nate and... Adam, don't hang around with glitter nail polish. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, room service and journaling my feelings. That sounds like an awesome Saturday night. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, this next tweet is one of my favorite of all time because this is one of my all-time favorite songs. 
October 8th, 2012, Taylor tweets, I knew your trouble comes out tonight at midnight. Ready to hear more about my romantic misadventures? Isn't that crazy? This song has now been our, in our lives for four years. Insane. Insane. Still one of her best songs, in my opinion. I would never get tired of seeing her perform this song. Absolutely. And it was one of the best performed songs on the Red Tour and one of the best performed songs on the 1989 tour, too. Absolutely. Well, yeah, today I actually was just reminiscing and going back through a lot of her live performances of this song. And I was wondering if you all had a favorite. There are so many. Not only did she sing it during, like you said, the Red Tour, 1989 tour, but she's done an acoustic version of it. She performed it when she did the live on the Seine cruise. She performed it at the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. She's performed it when she did the New Year's Eve show in Times Square. And on several award shows, do any of you have a particular favorite? Yeah. My favorite, I'm pretty sure it was the very first uh, yes. time that she performed that. Oh my god. Insane. I love that. There's the fire going everywhere. It was basically like the Red Tour performance. Um, but different. But yeah, it was different. Uh, the stage is a little different. The production, uh, of course, the pyrotechnics were awesome. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hands down, my favorite performance of that song ever. Yeah, that was a great one. And I wanted to ask you guys, too, which is your favorite out of Red performance and 1989 performance? Because they were so different but they were both incredible. Um, I'll answer first, and I think it's got to be the Red performance. I just loved how she turned it into kind of like, a, not techno, but EDM type song with the, the really heavy bass and you know the sounds that she threw into it. I just thought that was one of the best performances of all time. I actually disagree. I obviously think Red was amazing, but I would go with 1989 more. Okay. How she changed it up. And... Yeah, I think how she changed it up. It was sort of similar. I love that we still had the smoke coming up. But my favorite part about the 1989 tour is the when she does the stop and then go. Oh, yeah. And then she does the trouble thing. And then her long note in 1989, Just I just... Oh, and she nails it every time. I mean, the way she changed it, she adds that no at the end. And I mean, I think that was incredible. It's funny because when I went into the 1989 tour for the first time, I thought, oh, I really just want to hear the new songs. I really don't want to hear the older songs. But really, most of the older songs were my favorite performances on that tour. What about you, Ashley? Which one is your favorite? Um, yeah, I'd probably have to say Red. Just with the costumes and how the performance was, I think that's probably my favorite between the two tours and how she did it. And I also like that's probably one of my favorite videos too, as far as the music videos go, because I was watching it the other day, and I just really like I like the monologue like in the beginning when she's speaking and then just goes into the video. And it won Video of the Year award at the VMAs. It is definitely it's more like a film production i think the way she did that video how about you nate since this is your favorite song it must be tough i know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sitting here thinking about it i don't know honestly between the two i'm torn because the red performance so much nostalgia so much i don't know like you're up front like especially 
Okay, so for each tour, I saw I saw Red Tour eight times. I saw 1989 Tour eight times. I saw each show, you know, equally. For Red Tour, when you're up in the in the pits and she's performing the song and she does the what is it like one and a half second costume change and then the bass is going and it just like courses through your body. It's I mean it's insane. It's it's such a good performance. But the I, I want to say like the the artistry of the 1989 performance. I mean it just starts off. You know, very kind of kind of quiet, and she really builds it up into this insane performance by the end of the song. I mean, you know, you're just left chair, you're like, yeah, Taylor! <laughs> you know? But anyway, I don't know. It's a tough choice. I think I love that part, too. And for 1989, she just put so much detail into it. She made it different. Absolutely. In making it sound kind of like a Lord song. We've talked about that a lot. The beginning has a very Lord kind of vibe to it. And then she made sure all of our wristbands were red during that time because... Oh, which you can't deny. was awesome. Trouble was really one of the biggest songs from that album. So mm-hmm. I like that she kind of paid tribute to the album in that way. But I don't know. They both were so great because, like you guys said, the costume change was great. And for me, what makes Trouble is the long note. I just love that long note. And she was so into it during the Red Tour that she actually chipped her tooth while she was doing the long note. That's right. <laughs> I remember that. Wasn't that at Pittsburgh? Yeah, in Pittsburgh. And so I think she said later that she never fixed the tooth, and so Jack Antonoff calls her Snaggletooth or something. Yes. <laughs> but there have just been so many great performances of this song. I think the Victoria's Secret show was also great. And to hear it acoustically when she did it with just Grant and Paul is also pretty amazing. If you've never seen that, you should go YouTube it. We just went on this massive tangent about I Knew You Were Trouble. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was a great tangent. <laughs> but our next tweet is coming from October 2nd, 2014. Taylor writes, It's October, a.k.a. the month when the horror movie ads start, and at any moment, a dead doll or corpse ghost could pop up on my TV. Hashtag struggles. We know how she can be scared. Uh, The thing that immediately pops into mind is when Ellen scares her. Yes, anytime I think of Taylor being scared, I think of Ellen. Well, on October 3rd of 2014, Taylor tweeted, Way excited about being a, quote, key advisor on NBC The Voice. Here are some pictures of me and the coaches who I key advised. So that was cool. That was the season she was with Blake and Pharrell and Adam Levine and Gwen Stefani. And of course, this was right before 1989 was released. So we were all way excited about everything. Yeah, that was really cool to see her do that. I don't know if I was one of those contestants and I just walk into a room and see Taylor sitting there, how I could be, like, how I would react or how I could be mentored by her. I think I'd be, like, freaking out. Well, it'd be interesting to see if she ever is involved with that show again. They seem to just always change up the coaches. Now we have Miley and Alicia Keys on there for this season. So you never know. And our next tweet is from October 4th of 2014. Taylor tweeted, To see my dad photobombing is to see him at his happiest. And this was a picture of Scott photobombing at one of the sessions. 
So it's funny because she tweeted this on the same day as the Rhode Island secret session, but it's actually a picture from the New York secret session. And it's really funny because Scott Swift is in the background, like cheering, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) photobombing, truly at his happiest. I love Scott Swift photobombs. They're awesome. And I think Taylor inherited his skills because she's pretty good at photobombing. (laughs) Well, our final tweet from you guys from Taylor comes from October 8th, 2015. And Taylor tweeted, My Instagram just hit 50 million. Thanks so much, guys. Though, I'm pretty sure it's just because I have cute cats. There's a little cat emoji. Which is probably true. (laughs) And just as a reference point, for all of you. That was one year ago. Taylor hit 50 million and she now has 92 million followers. Oh my goodness. Almost double. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, it's always fun to look back at Taylor's old tweets and see where we are today. But for now, we're actually going to go into some more current news with Taylor. And as we mentioned earlier, Taylor's been a little bit missing in action this past week. So there isn't that much news, but what we do have is pretty exciting. Taylor has been making lots of donations lately, and she did another one this past week. She selected the Life of a Single Mom charity as a recipient of a generous flood relief donation for recovery from the Great Louisiana Flood of 2016. And for this charity, single moms impacted by the August flood can now apply to receive a brand new refrigerator filled with groceries, a slow cooker, a cookbook, and a gift card for fruit and vegetables to assist with recovery efforts. Taylor is just always so amazing with the way she wants to help people. And I think that given the devastation of Hurricane Matthew this past week, I think we're going to see even more efforts by Taylor to help people who are struggling right now. In some happier news, though, that's unrelated to flooding, some news was announced through Taylor's Twitter this past week. She has really not been on Twitter a lot lately, but this week she tweeted, Thanks, AT&T. This is going to be fun. And it was a photo of a sports jersey with AT&T on the back and the number 13, of course, And Taylor included a link to the press release, which explains that Taylor is actually going to be kicking off the Super Bowl weekend. And it's funny because we just talked about this on the last episode. We did literally last week. (laughs) (laughs) This happens a lot where because we record Sunday nights, we record and then the next day something happens. and. (laughs) Sometimes makes it's like, well, what we say irrelevant or funny. <laughs> so we had just recorded and I mentioned that because Lady Gaga was going to be the halftime performer that I didn't see Taylor releasing an album and using the Super Bowl halftime show's promotion because Lady Gaga was doing the halftime show. And then, of course, Taylor announced this and she's actually going to be doing the Saturday night kickoff on February 4th, 2017. And so this will be in Houston. And Taylor has sealed a 10-year deal with AT&T. And I'm not quite sure what that means, if that means she's going to be doing this pre-Super Bowl show every year. I, I think maybe not. But either way, she has this great 
multi-year deal with AT&T, which is huge. I think what actually happened was AT&T got her to uh, sign a 10-year contract for a cell phone. She's just going to have AT&T cell service for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seriously, though, super exciting. I mean, hey, I'm always down to see Taylor perform. Absolutely. We have learned, though, that this performance will be invite only, and it's apparently a small performance. It's not going to be the 100,000 people we were talking about in Austin, Texas this month. So we don't know a lot of the details about this, but it's very exciting. The fact that Taylor has this great performance lined up and has this amazing deal with a company like AT&T. I think throughout the years, Taylor has consistently been able to work with great, reputable companies because of her own reputation and companies want to work with her. And the press release said that there would be opportunities to win tickets or get tickets to the event. It doesn't sound like they will be sold, but some fans were asking them about it. And they said to follow Taylor Nation on Twitter for more information in the future about chances to be able to attend this. Yeah, so definitely stay tuned. We will be waiting to see what happens. Yeah, I don't know about um, what y'all think, but this definitely makes me feel like something is coming, like new music of some sort. Because, I mean, between now and this performance in February, that's four months in between, you know, both performances. So I kind of feel like something's brewing. Absolutely. And I think we all know that by the end of this, this year, Taylor is having some sort of mobile game. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if this AT&T deal happened a long time ago mm-hmm. and if her mobile game is going to be wrapped in conjunction with this somehow. I'm sure it will be. That sounds about right. Well, the mobile game announcement was made way back in January. Oh my god, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so that's pretty cool that she has all these things in the works and we didn't even know about it until now. So I'm betting we'll soon get more information about this mobile game probably related to this performance for the Super Bowl and like Ashley said it just feels like things are happening which actually we're going to be talking about more during our main discussion and then lastly in our news um, I believe on Tuesday Z100 Jingle Ball is going to be announcing their lineup and I know in years past Taylor has performed for the Jingle Ball in New York and I believe in LA as well. And we took a poll to find out if you guys thought Taylor would be performing. And 60% said no because she's on a break. And then 40% said yes, she would. So what do you guys think? We have Austin in October. We have Houston in February. December is right in between there. I think it's definitely possible. I don't know if it's likely, but I think it could happen. I think so, too. Things are popping up here and there. Like we mentioned, the AT&T deal, the Super Bowl performance. And I will have to predict that, yes, she will be on the list. When was the last time she performed at Jingle Ball? Was that last year? No, it was 2014. Okay. Right after 1989 was released. On her birthday. On her birthday, yep. Well, her birthday was at midnight. Oh, okay. That's right. Mm -hmm. Last year was New Year's Eve. 
Out of the Woods? Yes. Right. She released the music video for Out of the Woods on New Year's Eve last year. She played New Year's Eve from 2014 going into 2015 that night. Right. I think it's possible. I think it'd be more possible if she released some new music soon, potentially. I think if she does release new music, then I think she'd perform at Jingle Ball. That's kind of what I'm saying. Exactly. So I think that if Taylor's on the list when this is announced, then it will be a huge hint for us, which is why I am not sure that she will be. Because if she's doing some sort of surprise album drop, then she wouldn't want to be announced because everybody would know something's up. That's why I'm conflicted here. Yeah, I mean, I agree. If we know there's new music coming or there's a new single, then yes, I definitely think she will. But if, you know, there's nothing before that time, then no, I don't think so. Well, the majority has spoken. 60%. We'll see how it turns out. Do you guys have predictions for any other artists who will be announced? I was thinking probably Bruno Mars, maybe One Republic. Mm -hmm. It's so tough because sometimes I don't pay attention to other music, so I'm not quite sure. I wish... Ed would do something. It is finally fall. He said he would be back, and, well, he's not. (laughs) Yes, Ed, where are you? I wonder if the Chainsmokers might do something. I mean, they've been all over the airwaves for I don't know how long now. Seems like song Mm -hmm. after song, they've been on pop radio, so. Yeah, they've been very popular lately. Oh, maybe 21 Pilots? 21 Pilots would be Could be. Mm -hmm. And I could definitely see um, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill for Jingle Ball. Oh, Yeah, they just announced a big tour. Mm -hmm. And they had a pop-up show, I think, last week at the Ryman. And yes, I could definitely see them showing up there. Right. We were hoping Taylor would show up to that, but she didn't. Well, we will see. By the time you hear this episode, the lineup might have already been released, depending on your schedule. So you might already know what happens, but... Our pool, you guys, 60% of you said no, Taylor won't be performing. Well, our main discussion is in relation to everything we've been talking about throughout this episode. This new article was just released from the Chicago Tribune, and the title of it is, When Will Taylor Swift Release Her New Album? We May Have Cracked the Code. And this is written by Emily Yar. And so we just wanted to talk about this because this author kind of just went through everything and thinks that Taylor's going to be releasing new music this month. So we want to go through this step by step with everybody. And actually, the author goes through it by steps, which is kind of convenient for us. I have to give her major credit. She was very thorough in this article. She makes a very convincing case with all of this. Yeah, the beginning of the article goes through a lot of the things that we already know. The regular two-year schedule, will that mean that we'll get an album this October or at least this fall? Um, And about how all the fans are speculating when it might be. And so she says that as anticipation swells and Swift's famous friends hint that she's back in the studio, the album release date seems imminent. And I think I have a pretty solid guess. And her guess is October 23rd, 2016. Whoa. Which is the day after the Texas performance. It is. It is. Hmm. 
So as I mentioned, the author goes through this by steps. And for step one, she writes that this will be a surprise album. And she says, there's no way it's not going to be a surprise album, right? And actually, the author makes a really good point. She mentions that this summer was a little rough for Taylor. She had all of these articles written about her with the Calvin Harris and Tom Hiddleston things going on. And she also had the Kim Kardashian and Kanye West incident with the recording. And it was kind of a tough summer, not just for Swifties, but especially for Taylor. So the author mentions that why would Taylor want to go through this big promotional lead up to the album release? And she would have to go to talk shows and do a lot of interviews with magazines where she would be asked all of these questions that she probably really does not want to talk about. And as fans, we don't want her to have to talk about them and we don't want to read about them. Especially so soon. Right. I'm all for that kind of a strategy there to avoid having to deal with it. When we had an episode a few weeks ago, we talked about how Taylor loves to have a big lead up to the actual release and likes to do a lot of great promotional work for albums. But I think the author makes a really good point here. And as we've mentioned in past episodes, the surprise album is kind of the trend right now. Taylor's not one to follow trends. That's why she would do something different than what somebody like Beyonce did. But I think surprising us with an album is definitely likely. And we know that Taylor loves to surprise us. Yeah, let's take a talk show, for example. Let's say The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. If she were to announce an album date ahead of time and then go on his show and talk about it, you know the discussion is going to turn in the direction of Tom, and then it's going to turn in the direction of Kanye. And I just don't see her wanting that. She wants all that in her past. And what better way to not have to talk about it than not having to go on TV shows and promote something? Yeah, it's really very brilliant if she were to go that route. The other route would be to just let time pass so that people forget about it. People have very short-term memories these days. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, the second prediction that this author makes is that if she were to release an album, it would be an October release, which I got to agree with her on this one. I mean, if she was going to release an album, you look at it consistently. Uh, almost every single album she's released in October, and the author notes exception for Fearless, which was November 11th, pretty close, but you know. The Grammy eligibility period ended September 30th, which means uh, if she was going to do it, she wants to maximize her time as far as being on the charts. She would want to do it in October, obviously. Plus holiday sales. I mean, you can't deny that 1989, I mean, any album, I'm sure, would make a great Christmas gift. Let's put it that way. Uh, I mean, sales would just skyrocket over the over the holidays. Now would be the time to do it. So, Right, and that's why I mentioned on the last episode... I don't think it makes sense to release an album in the first quarter of the year because people are broke from the holidays. <laughs> That's for sure. And you, I think you really can maximize your sales by doing it right before the holidays, which at this point in the world, October is right before the holidays. There's holiday stuff out in the stores everywhere right now. So people are thinking about it. The author also mentioned here that Scott Bruschetta said on Twitter 
that nothing would be happening in, in October, and then he deleted that tweet, which is interesting. Mm. So the third thing the author brings up is that it will happen on a Sunday night. She says there's no better time to dominate the entertainment news cycle than on Sunday night when people are, are facing the reality of another week and what a distraction. That definitely makes sense. Says um, in the past, Taylor's released albums on Monday or Tuesday, closer in accordance with when albums were traditionally released before it shifted to Friday around 2015. Right, that shift happened after 1989 was released. And when it happened, I remember we all talked about it, thinking, does this mean Taylor will do it on Fridays? But Taylor is Taylor Swift, and she can do whatever she wants. Because in the past, albums used to always be released on Tuesdays, but she would release hers on Mondays. So I feel like she's not really included in that role. Yeah, the Friday release thing is interesting because a lot of times on Fridays, it's the end of the work week and people are either heading out of town or thinking about their plans for the weekend. And I think that Friday is kind of an odd time to release an album because it wouldn't be discussed as much. Um, it wouldn't be you know trending on Twitter as much as it would on another day of the week. Yeah, I always thought it was a weird shift, and I think we may have talked about it on an episode, because we all thought it was just an odd way to, to move the way albums are released. And another funny comment that the author made was that the Nielsen SoundScan album sale measurement now goes from Friday through Thursday, and so that would kind of affect the first week sales, if you will, if she released it on a Sunday. But regardless, she won't have to worry about that because we know it's going to be number one anyway. <laughs> exactly. And the cool thing about a Sunday release is, as we mentioned, Taylor's performance is a Saturday. So if she did release a new album, she could just make it available right at midnight on iTunes, which would be Sunday. The next thing that the author mentions is that the new release will have something to do with Taylor's 10-year music career anniversary. And the author just mentions that Taylor is all about remembering specific dates, times, places, and anniversaries. And Taylor's debut album was released on October 24th of 2006. So then she also mentions that Taylor's performance will be on October 22nd. And she says she just doesn't feel like that could possibly be a coincidence. And then October 23rd, of course, is right in between the concert in Texas and the release of Taylor's very first album. I think that would be really smart and cool of her to do, to release the new album almost exactly 10 years after the first album. It's just kind of significant or... Just a, a cool touch to put on a new album, saying that you've been around for 10 years, and here's this brand new album. So the final point that the author makes in this article, she thinks it will have to do with the number 13. And she makes a lot of uh, points here. I personally disagree with this one, but she says a bunch of different things. She says, you know, of course, Taylor was born on December 13th. Taylor is obsessed with the number 13. As we all know, it's her lucky number. Her debut album went gold in 13 weeks. Red Tours started on March 13th, 2013. The list goes on and on as far as everything 13. And the final thing that she said, too, is if 
her October 23rd, 2016 prediction is right. If you add up the numbers in 10.23.16, it equals none other than 13, she says. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. You know, I disagree with this one, though, because if you look at Taylor since 1989, she hasn't dealt that much with 13. It almost seems to me like she's tried to kind of, I mean, you know, it's still her lucky number, and she will bring it up every now and again, but she seemed to kind of shy away from that. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Taylor has just progressively moved away from the number 13. We went from her having it written on her hand to mm-hmm. every show to during the Red Tour, it was just on her mic. And during 1989, it was pretty much nothing. But for me, what was really telling that she was trying to sort of just not make it such a big deal is that when we were expecting 1989 to be released, we knew album five would be coming. October 13th of 2014 fell on a Monday. So we all thought that that was when she would choose to release the album. And she did release the album on a Monday, but she did not select October 13th. So I'm with you, Nate. I don't agree with this part of the article. Yeah, it's almost like when 1989 came out, when she dropped the album, that in doing so that she kind of reinvented herself and kind of let some of the older, uh, you know, things that are, are fun and quirky, especially about her, but kind of let him slide into the past a little bit. Yeah, she's just growing up and she's a young woman now. She doesn't need to be superstitious about the number 13. Although we will always have a special place in our heart for 13 oh for sure (laughs) yeah i think it was a funny way to add a last step to this article just adding up those numbers to equal 13 it obviously doesn't have any relevance you wouldn't think but the author goes are you convinced yet and then she says that the backup guess is for sunday november 13th of this year and that date also follows everything that the article had stated before So I guess we kind of have two choices here. Yeah, I really don't know what to think. I've been, I guess, kind of leading the charge saying that she's definitely going to have this surprise album in Texas, maybe partly selfishly because I want one. It would be pretty awesome. (laughs) I feel very conflicted because she hasn't been talking about Texas at all. We have not heard a single thing. She talked about this Houston performance in February for the Super Bowl, but she hasn't said a word about Texas for Formula One. It's very confusing. And I feel like if she were planning to do something, she would at least be saying something. I'm excited for this performance. The subtle hints that she does, yeah. Mm. (laughs) So I don't know. I really I'm not sure. I'm very excited no matter what happens. Even if it's greatest hits, that's going to be incredible. And it's it has been 10 years, and Taylor deserves to celebrate all of her success and perform a greatest hits show. But on previous episodes, Ashley and Ashley, I think, and maybe even Adam, I, I'm forgetting, but predicted that maybe she'll at least do a new song in Texas. And I think that's possible because with this February performance happening, Like Ashley just said on this episode, it seems like something's up. And I think the very last line of the article definitely rings true. And it states, although Swift will probably outwit us all, you never know. So true. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to read this article, just look it up. Like we said, it's called 
When will Taylor Swift release her new album? We may have cracked the code. It's by Emily Yar. And it's fun to think about because we just have no idea what's going to happen. And we know that whatever it is, Taylor always finds a way to top herself. And she undoubtedly will with album number six. Well said, Steph. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed that discussion. Let us know what you think. We are always intrigued to hear what fans think will happen and what your thoughts are. So if you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to contact us on Twitter. We're at SwiftCast13. We're on Tumblr at SwiftCast13.tumblr.com. You can find us on Instagram at Instagram.com slash TheSwiftCast13. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheSwiftCast. You can send us an email at TheSwiftCast13 at gmail.com. And you can visit our website at www.swiftcast13.com. And that includes all of our contact information. And also, please remember to press the subscribe button on iTunes, and it will download the latest episode for you automatically. So, what do you all think Taylor will do next week? And if you think that she's going to be missing in action again... (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty accurate prediction. Well, then my alternative question is, say Taylor is going to be performing her greatest hits in Austin, what song do you think she'll open the show with? Ooh. I was actually listening to my iPod while I was working out the other day, and I was three Taylor songs came on in a row. It was very lucky. But it was um, Fearless and Long Live and Trouble. And I was thinking, I was just thinking, what would Taylor open the show with? And I wanted to know what you all thought. Wow, that is a great question that I'll have to think about for a second. Because we all knew, like, for example, for 1989, I think we all predicted that Welcome to New York would be a perfect song to open that tour. But for this being a greatest hits, you have to go through every album and figure out what song would be the best to kick it off. Exactly. That's why I was struggling. Because when Trouble came on my iPod, I thought, oh, yeah, Trouble. That would be a great opener. But then I thought... But if she's doing greatest hits, maybe she wants it to be all about the fans. Maybe she would just surprise everybody and open with something like Long Live. But that doesn't seem likely to me. And then I thought, well, what about Shake It Off? That was huge. But then I thought, no. No? That's what you're leaning towards? Yeah, I'm leaning Shake It Off. When you think about all of her tours and everything that she's ever opened with, you have 1989 that was Welcome to New York, as Adam said. Red Tour was State of Grace. She probably won't perform that, I don't think. Speak Now, she opened with Sparks Fly. I don't think she'll perform that either. Fearless was You Belong With Me, which is a contender for the concert. I don't think she'd open with it, though. I don't know. It just doesn't that doesn't sit right with me. I don't know. But Shake mm-hmm. It Off, I feel like it has to be something that everybody knows. It's going to, with no opener, has to kind of get the crowd excited and going. And I think Shake It Off might be the perfect song for that. See, I thought that too, but then I thought it would be the perfect closer which would be an awesome closer, too. I mean, it closed the 1989 tour, so it's like, you know. <laughs> she should just play Shake It Off eight times <laughs> throughout the show. Yeah, I mean, I would love if she opened with Holy Ground. I know when we did our, like, prediction episode, some of us did, like, what we would love her to do, and then we did kind of more of what we think she'll do. I would love if she would do Holy Ground, because I feel like that's very upbeat and like with the drums and gets everybody going and hyped and excited. 
but I definitely feel like, like I agree, Nate, that Shake It Off is what I think she would end up opening with. Yeah, and if you want to listen to the episode Ashley is talking about, episode 170, we gave all of our predictions for the show in Texas, and it was really fun because we don't know what's going to happen, but everybody has great predictions. I wish I was on the episode. We missed you that day, Nate. I know. And I listened to that episode later, and I had so much to say. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I think I would say for my opening song, I think it could be something like her biggest, one of her biggest songs ever, which was Love Story. But I don't think that would work as an opening song. So I will have to go with Out of the Woods. That's interesting. Although I don't know that it would make a greatest hit set list necessarily. I'm just so conflicted. I yeah. I love that I'm going into this show having no idea what's going to happen, though. But that's why I was thinking about this and wanted to ask for everybody's opinion. Yeah, that was a great question. Does anyone have any other predictions about what Taylor might do this week, though? Well, I think since it'll this week will be almost a week to the day of the show on the 22nd, I think she'll tweet a picture of her rehearsing for the show. You and Adam have been predicting this for, I think, six weeks now. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it has to come true at some point. <laughs> I know. Is she ever going to acknowledge this show on social media? <laughs> I feel like if it's the week before, she has to. I think this week is the week. I think she's she has to at this point. She has to. <laughs> well, maybe there will be a race car or something revealed that's in conjunction with the show. I think Ashley... Our other host, Ashley, mentioned that before, and I could definitely see that happening. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, maybe there'll be one Taylor Swift-themed car and one The weekend themed car, because he's performing on the night after Taylor. Right. Am I wrong, but was there not a race car that was 1989-themed? Am I making that up? I know there was a red one. A red one, okay. There may have been a 1989 one. Oh, no, there was. Yeah, there was. It didn't have Taylor's face or anything on it, but it was all decked out with the font and everything. Yeah, wasn't it like the light blue color with the the birds? I think so. I remember it being, I thought it was black and it had the 1989 and like the neon kind of font that it had on tour. Oh, okay. But I don't know. I think they definitely need to do something like that. We'll see. Yeah, if not, they should bring that car to the race. Have it like on display somewhere, yeah. On display, yes, that would be great. Well, we will see what happens. We are going to be only having one more episode before this concert, and then you can all look forward to us recapping it for you the following week. But for now, for episode 173, this has been Steph, Adam, Nate, and Ashley, and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.